Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Surprise. <laughs> a little different this morning. It's good to see everybody. And good to be here. I've uh, got a couple of announcements for you this morning. Next weekend, next weekend, the 16th through the 18th, we get to come together again and um, have a good time investing in our marriages and relationships and want to just remind everybody, please come out um, on the 16th at 7 o'clock, so that's Friday at 7, and then Saturday again at 10 and then Sunday, our generations of generations, which we love so much. My kids talk about that all the time. They, they love that. So I know that they're even looking forward to it. But, um, so that'll be next Sunday. So please make some plans to come this weekend. We'd love to see you there. And then next week, on the 22nd and 23rd, we've got district conference in Ocala. That starts at 730 with Brother Bernard. And that will be an awesome, awesome time. I'm looking forward to that. And then the next weekend, the 25th, is when we're going to have our guest speaker and singers that were here, Brother and Sister McGuire. So they will be here, and they'll be singing in the second service. So that's a great time that you can invite some friends that would come that might enjoy um, that kind of singing. And it just it's a good time to actually invite people to come. They'll enjoy that. So um, those are the announcements that I have, which comes actually now to bring me to the reason why I'm here. And um, I'm actually doing the focus prayer this morning, and it's a great thing because that way you don't have to listen to the same person two times a day because the person who had it will be preaching later. So, um, <laughs> but um, I'm not sure if, if you guys received an email about this week's um, focus prayer, but I've, I received it last night, and it just kind of hit me a little bit. And um, this week's focus prayer is about emotional healing. And, um, you know, that's, that's a topic that, honestly, growing up in church, and, and you know, now that I just turned 29 last week again, um, you don't hear too, too much about. Um, but it's very relevant. It's very relevant. And, um, and I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody who knows what hurt is or what hurt feels like. I don't know if there's anybody out here that could say, hey, I've been hurt, or I have been betrayed, or I have felt rejected, um, or maybe even abused. I don't know if anybody out there has ever felt an overwhelming fear, or have felt anxiety, maybe loneliness. Maybe has anybody ever felt discouraged, or even battled depression? Over the past couple of years, just recently, just the past couple of years, 
I've battled every single one of these emotions, every single one of them. And I didn't even realize how bad that it affected me until I found myself struggling to get out of this darkest, loneliest pit of my life. And I tried to ignore it. That didn't help. I tried to hide it. That didn't help. I never stopped doing what I knew to do. I, I, I always prayed. I kept studying. I kept coming to church. But I was so wrapped up in the wounds that it affected me and it weakened me physically, which you can't tell because I actually expanded, and spiritually though. And there was nothing in my own power that I could do to heal those wounds. There's nothing in my own power or that I could do to get myself out of that pit. But about five months ago, I was sitting in our living room and I suddenly felt an urgency to, to pray. And not necessarily for myself or my situation, but just to pray. Now, there's no place in my house that's private or that's secluded. Um, wherever you go, you're going to have company that's going to be this tall or smaller. And it doesn't. if you're in the kitchen, they're going to be there. If, if you're in the bathroom, they're right there. If you're in your bedroom, that's, that's still okay. Um, you try to lock a door, they know how to knock. They know how to reach underneath. There's no privacy. And um, the room I used to actually use to pray in is actually now a bedroom for Riley. So that's gone. So I went to my clothes closet where I keep my clothes. And um, I just started to pray. And moved some of the shoes out of the way. And just got there because they won't go in there. There's nothing. Unless they're just looking for me, which that does happen. But every evening I would go to go sit in the living room. And when I'd sit down, there's that urgency again every night. And so I would get up and I'd go back to that closet and where that little space is on the floor. And I'd just pray. And about a month later, while driving up to church, right there on that dirt road, I hadn't even made it to the parking lot, never made it in the door. I felt a deliverance, a complete, complete release. And I thought about David in Psalms 40. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me. And he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And many shall see it, which is you today. You see it. This is living proof. And shall trust in the Lord. Now, I'm sorry if hearing all this causes you to think less of me, and I'm asking you to forgive me for that. But I want to tell you, to this day, I don't understand. I don't understand why everything happened the way it did. I don't understand why God allowed two years to go by before there was just a sudden deliverance. But I do understand that it takes a trial to have a testimony. 
And it takes hurt to have a healing. And it takes a struggle to have a story worth telling. And I'm telling you, if it, if it if by telling my story, story encourages somebody sitting here today, then that struggle was well worth it. I want to tell you that God can take your emotional wounds and your scars and he can use them as a testimony to show others that there is healing beyond hurt and there's freedom beyond bondage and victory beyond defeat. It takes death to have a resurrection. And the resurrected Jesus shows us that we can bear our scars and not be bound by what we've been through. So as we pray this morning for emotional healing, maybe for ourselves, maybe for someone we know, someone that we love, be open. Be open to repentance. Be open to victory. And I know that we're going to have prayer later in the service. I know that, but I... But if you want to be prayed for right now, if you just don't want to wait, I want to pray with you. I have faith and I believe God is a deliverer. I believe in deliverance. I believe in healing. If you will, join me and pray. God, I love you today. I thank you, God, for the deliverance and healing, God, that you do. Thank you, Lord, for your power, God. Lord, I ask you, Jesus, Lord, today, God, Lord, to heal, God, and bind up the wounds, Jesus, Lord, of the hurt, God. I ask you, Lord, Jesus, to move, God, heal, God, minister, Jesus, Lord, to every need, God. Lord, I pray, God, that, Lord, you, God, break, God, the bondage, Jesus, Lord, and the chains, Jesus, that hurt, God. Jesus, I pray that, God, you'd restore, God. Lord, your spirit in us this morning, God. Lord, I ask you, Jesus. Lord, God, to send Jesus a spirit of deliverance and restoration, Jesus. Lord, God, to each one today, God. Fill, Jesus, the longing, God, of our hearts, God. Lord, Jesus, with your spirit, God, and your authority, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God. Do a great work, God, in these people in this place today, God. Lord Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus with all power, authority, and dominion, God. Lord Jesus, I pray, God. Lord Jesus, not for and victory, God. I love you, Jesus, and I worship
Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, I couldn't think of a better opening than what I just, what we was just made subject to. So, I'll just take that as my opening and we'll just go on from there. Um, what we're going to do um, today, we're going to study, with the Lord's help, um, growth in suffering. And if you've, I almost said if you've ever read, but that would be unkind to ask church people that. But in the Bible, we read from the beginning to the end. Suffering is what humanity does. It's all through scripture. We read of it literally from the very beginning of creation all the way to the end of creation as far as this world consists of. There will be suffering. Now, I really uh, have a lot I want to try to squeeze in, so I just want to start, and what we'll do the uh, Moses is, is one that we're going to speak of, so let's just read the, the verse that we'll start with, is Exodus 4 and 13, so we'll just read that, and this is where Moses is actually trying to get out of leading the people, this is where he goes through the signs and then Moses or God tells Moses to when you get to the Nile just dip the water in pour it out on the ground I'll turn it into blood I give you all of these signs and Moses is still saying but isn't there somebody else that you could send besides me so 4 and 13 says and he said oh my Lord send I pray thee by the hand of whom thou wilt send Moses is saying to the Lord, surely you're going to send somebody. I just don't want it to be me. And when you read after this, the Lord was not thrilled at all. And, of course, we have to be very careful. If we continually turn the Lord down, he may give us what we want. Just the blessing that come with it may be a whole lot less than what the Lord had in store. Now... I just want to make a few comments before I go back to the lesson. I want to, in 2004, the Associated Press reported on Ashlyn Blocker. She was a child born with a congenital ins insensitivity to pain, a rare condition that makes it impossible to feel pain. Though it sounds like it was a good thing, it created multiple challenges to an otherwise normal and active child. She had to be monitored constantly. On the playground, if she injured herself, she was, uh, she was told that if she saw blood, she had to report it immediately and that she had to stop and go. Hot foods had to be chilled before she received them or else she would gulp it down and injure herself. Now, as a follow-up, the New York Times in 2012 describes her years as a teenager. In other words, her family and friends had to monitor her all the time because she could not feel pain and they took and warnings she had all of this but they said that she had scars 
where she just literally, she couldn't feel pain, so she didn't know she was in danger. So, but a professor actually at the University of Florida ran genetic testing on her, and he just come to the conclusion that she lacked what he referred to as the gift of pain. And we would say, really? <laughs> that would be a gift, not to have pain. But in her life, she has the scars to prove that it's not a gift. God has put within us these uh, blockers to let us know that when pain is at. Now, there are five million nerve endings, sensory nerve endings in the skin, five millions that God has placed in our body. Now, get this. The smallest thing you can feel with a single touch, the smallest thing, is one five thousandths. That is the width of a hair. One five thousandths, the width of a hair. Now, that is very, very small. God has made our fingers that sensitive. Now, there's 15,000 on the tips of each finger that God has placed in our fingertips alone that we may feel. And it's not as simple as when you touch something hot, you say, well, I have the sense to turn loose. No, that's not the case. The nerve that is sending that message to your body, and when you figure the height of our bodies, that nerve travels at a rate of 160 feet per second. Now, given the size of our body, when you said, well, I had the sense enough to turn loose, your mind has already told you that is hot and sent the message back. God designed this in our body. It's not saying, well, I'm smart enough to turn that loose. No, God designed it in our body. He put the touch there, the nerve ending, so we could feel it was hot. Our brain would tell us to turn loose. That's hot. Now, the fingerprint that we have, we know the Bible says, he sealeth up the, the, this in the, the print of, in, in the hand of every man. Now, the chance of two fingerprints matching is one in 64 million. What I've read, they said that's even more unique than DNA. Now, that's what I've read in medical. One in 64 million. Now, another thing that I come across, the print of your tongue is just as unique as the print of your fingertip. I didn't know that. Now, there's you feel pain everywhere. These sensors are everywhere in your body, including your bones. It's everywhere throughout your body except one place, and that's your brain. Your brain does not feel pain. Why? Medically, I don't know. Spiritually, I would say, you could be hurting all over your body and still have the sense or the ability to commun communicate to God that I need help. All I can tell you is there is, the brain does not feel pain. Now, he took and he did this. So we have in our life, we, we see a lot, a lot of, of suffering in our world. There's a lot that's going on in our world. And with all the chaos, the, the sin and the suffering, we had, we asked our question. We asked the question sometimes, why is there suffering in this life? Pure and simple, literally. I'm not, try, I'm not any, trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable, even me. It's literally sin, pure and simple. 
There's no other reason that we can give biblically. Sin is the reason that we do suffer. Now, we've looked at horrible situations in our life when men and women that just do not, I believe, do not understand stand up and said, God, let this happen. Why would a good God, a loving God, allow this to go on? Now, God is not the reason that this chaos is going on. God is not the reason. When you read in the Bible of, of what, look at the, I know I'm accused of staying in Genesis, but you've got to go. Look, literally, you don't have to get, you don't even have to get past the sixth chapter of Genesis to find suffering like you have never imagined. Adam and Eve, literally, they're born and they're told you must leave the garden. Now, they say, why would a loving God make them leave the garden? I say it's pure and simple mercy because in their sin state, they could not partake of the tree of life and live that way forever. So God banned them, put the angel there so they could not go back in the garden, and so they had to leave. Then she had a son. The first son killed the second son. Welcome to the human race. It's chaos right from the very beginning. Sin is there causing all of this. God gave them a free will. They chose to go against the commandments of God. This is the result of that. Now, and they take and do this. You go to the sixth chapter, and I don't know if you've ever studied literally the sixth chapter, but I'm telling you it is utterly horrific. It's to the point that God said, I am stopping it. I will not allow it to go any further. It will not proceed no more. And literally, there was only eight people that decided to take God at his word. And that's all that was saved. So God started over with the human race with eight people. So he did this. Now, turn with me or either read on the screen with me I, want to, I just want to hit a few verses in 2 Timothy. Now, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, the first verse, we'll go to 2 Timothy 2 and 11. It starts off, it says, it, it is a faithful saying. Now, Timothy does this four times through his writings. It is a faithful saying. He has four of these in his writings. This is the third of the fourth. It is a faithful saying. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, I'll go back to 11. It is a faithful saying, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, that's obvious. If we be dead with him, if we are baptized with him. That's what we take his name for. If we be dead with him, we go down and take the name of Jesus. We are saying we are being uh, baptized in the name of Jesus. We be dead with him. What? We shall live with him. We shall be able to take the name of Jesus and the authority of the name of Jesus. We shall be able to live in the name of Jesus Christ. So verse 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Now, if we suffer, now, if we suffer, I believe a large portion of our suffering 
is overlooking the man that we stare at every day in the mirror. That's me. If we can overcome ourselves, if we can overcome our flesh, then a large portion of the battle is won. Now, I'm not saying it's all won naturally, but I'm saying a large portion is won. And where I take that from, when Jesus took his disciples in Gethsemane, when he went in the garden, and the Bible says, I will go yonder. He stopped his disciples and he said, I will go yonder. And Luke tells us, yonder is a stone's cast. I will go yonder and pray. I take from that, there's some things to our flesh that we will accomplish no other way. I have got to take this to pray and I've got to pray over it. God said, I'm gonna do this. He comes back. What does he tell his disciples? We hear it all the time. God is all spirit and all flesh. But what was he praying? He told his disciples the reason. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now he couldn't take his disciples with him. He was wrestling the flesh. There's some things we can, I don't wanna seem cruel. We, we can moan around and, and I'm talking, I can moan around, I'll leave you out of it. I can moan around and cry around. This flesh is getting the best of me, but there's some things, as God is our example, that I'm gonna have to do and I'm gonna have to do alone. I'm gonna have to shut the door and I'm gonna have to say, God, you can give me the strength just like you did. You went three times and I'm a numbers man, but I don't believe three is the issue. I believe we can go just like God went back and you read the Bible. It says he spake the same words. Now God in his flesh goes back. He leads the disciples. He says, you still can't go with me. I'm gonna go back because this flesh is not submitted yet. So I'm gonna go back the spirit is willing, but my flesh is not submitted yet. So I'm gonna go back. If we suffer with him, if we suffer with him, and it's not that we go out and, and like you see some of the people, they beat themselves on the back and they're suffering for Christ, so to speak. No, I don't believe that's what it means. If we overcome this flesh, every day if you look at yourself in the mirror and it's another day that you hadn't gave in to temptation, you have overcome if we suffer with him. That is what I believe it means. And I believe it means also that there are, we face an enemy. Some people, their theory is this. You accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. There again, you're saved. Jesus paid it all on the cross. Therefore, I can do everything I want. Jesus is paid, paid for it all. Therefore, I don't have to do nothing. Now, that is their theory. That's not my theory. What I wanna do is follow the Holy Ghost men of the Bible and that's what I wanna follow. Now, I'm not trying to be cruel, but what I'm saying, they need to read the titles that not us, but the Bible gives to Satan, the God of this world, the Prince of Peace. It's just on it. There's at least 12 titles, the rulers of the darkness of this world. You read in Ephesians. That's why the Bible says we don't battle. We do not battle, speaking of a distance. It says, for we wrestle. You can't do that on the sidelines. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That goes back to the Old Testament analogy. 
if we suffer with him. That is why to overcome the enemy, you must be wrestled. You must, in spiritual warfare, you have got to wrestle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That is what the Bible is referring to. It didn't use battle or we're gonna, from a distance, we're gonna shoot a, a missile to you. He says, wrestle is the word the Bible used. You're not gonna do it on the bench. It will not be accomplished. That is why the Bible says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. That's why we're gonna reign with the Lord. And that's why he said, if you deny me, I will deny you. Deny me. There is no ownership. There is no ownership. That's why we have to be careful. That's why I believe that there's people. I got, God is no respecter of persons. We, we should never mock nobody, regardless of their circumstances. Because a person says, I've accepted, I've accepted Christ as my savior. God works with people. I believe God draws with people. There is one I'm sitting right there on the pew. And if he has called him, and we know of people that has called him from other, other churches, other denominations, God said he is drawing people, he is working people. And they, he said, but if you deny me, you gave me no ownership of that will that I gave you, then I will deny you. You gave me no ownership. But God said, if you will give of me the ownership, then I won't have to deny you. That's why he said, if you deny me, then I'll deny you. Because I will have no ownership. That's the reason that he says that. And then he says, if we believe not yet he abide, yet he abideth faithful. Here again, if we believe not, put it in perspective to these verses. If we believe not, they says, yes, God is faithful, I've accepted him, I can't do nothing wrong. And if I believe not yet he abideth faithful. You need to understand the Bible. And I'm just... Pardon me the rest of this lesson. Brother Boyd was preaching months ago and I wrote this down. I think I told Sister Boyd. He mentioned the Old Testament sacrifices and it just God himself knew that every circumstance, every situation that they did was not going to be enough to put, all it was gonna do is push back the sin. It would not do away with the sin. Yet God said, you do it and you do it in perfection or I will take your life. And that's only one meaning because that one man was going to the presence of God. That's it. Now, if he, if he allowed that in the Old Testament, knowing that it was not gonna do away with sin, it was just gonna push it back. Bring it to the New Testament. Here, can we take and just say a God that would be so strict then? You think God is gonna allow somebody to just sin and sin and sin and yet be so holy? Listen to what the Bible says, if we believe not, yet God abide the faithful, meaning, to me, God, God is not gonna go back on his word. He cannot deny himself. He will not deny his holiness. 
He will not allow nobody to live in sin regardless what they proclaim with their mouth. It said, if we believe, believe not, yet he abideth faithful. God is not gonna change for no one. No one. The schoolmaster has told us, we've brought it up to this, he plainly, Paul plainly lied out, said, suffering is a part of this life. If you suffer with me, you're gonna reign with me. Suffering is a part of life, but it don't have to be the end of you. You can do it. Now, the Bible tells us also, Moses is the one that we speak of, and now I'll go to the lesson. We may first think that suffering weakens us, but with the right response that we have an opportunity for personal, emotional, and spiritual development. Now, it is proved it's proved scientifically. You can take an individual that regardless of the, uh, not regardless, but regardless of the, the time, you can take, and if an illness comes on them, the same person, if they are, their appetite is good, their mental capacity is good, they're just positive, it's not gonna affect them much. But if they're just at a bad part of their life, their mood is affected, the injury is gonna be worse. We're talking about the same individual. And now, this is when we read in the Bible, that's why, that's why I believe it, it's such, it's such a disgrace to people when all you hear out of churches is that God has got, this is, there should be a balance as Brother Boyd always says. You can't just always hear as God has got the best, he wants to make you wealthy and happy and rich and all that. And I'm not saying I don't believe that, I do. But when you take in the whole concept if you always hear that, then what about the individual that's going through a severe trial and they come to church and all they hear is, wow, if your name's Joe, I'm not against you. Oh, Brother Joe, Lord, the Lord's really blessing him. He's got everything going for him. And Sister Sally is so under the weather and doing bad. Well, how do you think she's gonna go home feeling? It's the truth. It is the truth. People needs the whole counsel of God. I'm not saying, Paul even told us that he embraced his infirmities. I'm not saying you should go around just singing and, and just as Sister Amanda just did. You don't put your wounds out just as just saying, look at me. You put your wounds out in a testimony saying that God is the one. That's why I say God is the healer of the broken. God is the one. And I say, read all you want out of the holy book. God don't use perfect people. He uses the ones with the scars, the ones that are broken. He uses them because there is no perfect people. And that's why I always say in prayer, God is the healer of the broken. 
because he is the one that heals us. Now, the story of the Bible is a story of suffering. It is because to live is to truly suffer. Now, God can use suffering to produce something good in us regardless of the reason of our suffering. Moses did not think he was worthy even or qualified to fulfill God's call. Moses even asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And you would think after, because we've read the story over and over and over, and you would think, well, why not, Moses? Mercy. You should be the one to go. But we can't go back and get in the mind of Moses. But Moses is telling God, who am I? Why do you want to send me? I don't know. Moses, this is just Moses telling God, and I believe there I've said it, and I'll say it till I die. These individuals are put in there for us to give us examples. If everybody in there was to a level that we could never obtain to, wow, that would be rough. God told him, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, we've all heard God call us, but we've doubted our ability to do what he asked. Moses didn't knew God well enough to fulfill his call, some may say. The God of your fathers has sent me to you and they say to me, what is his name and what shall I say to him? Now, some has wondered about this. Why is Moses asking God, what is your name? Now, we know Moses' mother was named Jochebed, but that meaning in the Bible is Yahweh is my glory. And we do know that Yahweh, in the form of Jehovah, is over 160 times in Genesis alone. So Moses' reason for asking, what shall I ask them? And this is truly, I love this. He just said, you tell them I am that I am. And when he tells them this, our, my wife reminded me of something years ago that I'd read of a minister saying, and I had forgot it until this past weekend. But it's like when God told Moses, I am that I am. He said that if you would took that and put an equal sign there, that is the only thing it could be. Because when you put an equal sign there, and you said, I am, the only thing that you could put on the other side of that is I am. Because when you put an equal sign there, that preacher said the only thing that equal God would be God himself. So he told Moses, you just tell him, I am that I am. I am that I am. As he explained his faith, Stephen told him, Moses was learned in all the wisdom and words, and we know that Moses was this, 40 years he was in the wilderness keeping sheep. 
each person is made by God. We think some of our disabilities disqualifies us from being useful, but God has a specific purpose for us. No matter who we are, what we are, God can use who we are and what we are. God can use us. Moses asked literally to be excused from God's call. And then God even, the verse that we read right above that, Moses basically told God, he says, you know, I can't talk good. And you can read it. I I can't put words in the Lord's mouth. These are my words. And God just, I can just, you can just tell the agitation from the Lord. And God said, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? Here you are telling me you can't speak well. And God said, I made your mouth. And then he even gives him a scripture and says, not that I'll be with you. God literally tells him, I will be with your mouth. And you're telling me you can't do it? Am I throwing rocks at Moses? No, I'm in the mirror. I'm throwing rocks at me. We all have been there. We say, I can't do this. I'm just not qualified for this. I can't do it. But God literally told him, I will be with your mouth. I will put the words in there. I will give you what to say. But Jesus grew. He knew. I'm going to skip some of this. He said, um, Paul was given this thorn in the flesh and I don't know. I think we would all agree if anybody has reached a level where he didn't need to suffer anymore, maybe we could agree that Paul was there. But it was just the opposite. God said, no. The level that you had attained is just the reason that I am gonna give you this thorn in the flesh. Now, revelation itself is, a, is just a beautiful thing sent from God. But revelation itself can breed arrogance. So God said, Paul, in everything you've been given, there's gonna be something that holds you to this earth, and that's what I'm gonna give you. And that's what he did. But Paul chose, Paul chose to embrace this suffering that God had gave him. He couldn't easily... <laughs> What if that was us? I mean, we would shut the door and God said, when you shut the door and pray, you address me as father. And the first thing Paul would say, father, after all you've given me, now you give me this. But Paul, I'm telling you, he had the right attitude. After all God had gave him, after all God had given him, he just says, you know what? After all the suffering, you read about all the suffering he went through. And he says, you know what? I'll take this and I'll learn from this. I'm telling you, that is worthy. If there's anything worthy to be in the Bible, that is worthy for us to read from. Because I wouldn't want to say because I don't know everybody's situation, but I don't know if we'll ever encounter that our lives would match up to that. But this is something that we can treasure and hold on to of just what Paul went through. Now, we are 
we are going to go through suffering. We are going to go through situations. It's just part of life. It's just sin has caused it. How many times do you hear people stand up and say, I can tell you what's wrong. It is Satan himself. They're labeled a fruitcake. If they stand up and say, God is the one causing this. You know what? I think there's something, this what they're saying there. But if they stand up and say the devil himself, it's evil. Wow. Let's get away from him. They call evil good and good evil. But from a biblical point of view, suffering is part of life. Suffering is part of the Christian life. But what God said, I'll close with this. In the book of Acts, Acts 2 and 2, when the Bible, in the Bible where he created Adam, God said he breathed into the nostrils of man and the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And all that man goes through, all the suffering that man goes through, the pain, God said when you've reached the end of everything you think that you can reach, you go in your room and you close the door. You address me as father and you're gonna find a pair of sandals there with your name on it because I've went through everything that you can pray. Everything that's bothering you, every amount of suffering that you go through, I've been there. I know what it's like. But this is, this is the last thing that I wanna draw, I wanna draw your attention to. In the book, in the book of Acts, in Acts 2 and 2, where the Bible talks about, it says, and suddenly there came, came a sound, came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house, it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, the Bible tells us that they, you read in this, that they was in the upper room now, they was in the upper room. The Bible says that they heard this sound coming, the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, of a rushing. When you look that up, of a rushing. That means to carry or to bear. Excuse me, just one moment. I need to find something. Okay, I can't find it. Of a rushing mighty wind. So that means to carry or to bear. And that word, it was of, as of a rushing mighty wind. And then it says of mighty, the word mighty there is violent. It's violent. And it says wind. But this is what, when I look this up, this is what I couldn't, I, 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 this is what I couldn't believe. When it said that wind of a rushing, mighty, violent wind. When you look up that word wind, it means breath of life. I thought, man, here is the Lord, 
The first time he created man, he breathed into the nostrils. And then the second time, the Bible says that they went in and they heard this sound. It wasn't done in secret. It was violent. It was this sound coming, probably like the sound of a locomotive to us. And it filled all the house. The Bible says it was in the upper room. But the Bible says it filled all the house. I don't know where they was or how many rooms it contained, excuse me, contained, but the Bible says it filled all the house that where they was. So now, and they all literally, so when it stands, when we say they were baptized with the Holy Ghost, that literally they were. It was everywhere. It was literally all in the house. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost because they were baptized and it filled all the house. Now, when you take and where it says filled, that would be just like if, we, if you take and fill this baptistry with water when you baptize somebody, that's literally what it means. It filled all the house. It filled every crack, crevice there was. It filled all the house. Now, God just not... He wanted, he wanted humanity, he wanted man to literally be saturated, full, full of the Holy Ghost, inside and out, every part of him. Now, finally found what I was looking for. Y'all just have to pardon me. And I ask you to pardon me one more time because I'm gonna quote the words to a song that David Huff didn't actually write. So... There will be trials and tribulations. There will be sufferings. But one good thing about it is God is our source of strength. He is the one that's gonna help us. He is the one that's gonna be there for us. Life does have struggles. It does have hardships. And God is the reason that we can go on. And so this is the one that Sister Amy sings. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and that the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered a victory without fighting. And he said that help would always come in time. So just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in, just hold on because our Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again. God bless you. Hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.